This ad-free podcast is part of your Slate Plus membership. Lucky you. Hello and welcome to this mini episode of Big Mood, Little Mood. I'm your host, Danny M. Lavery, and this show is for you, our Plus subscribers. Our guest this week is Sarah Marshall, a writer, media critic, and host of the Modern History podcast, You're Wrong About. She's also the co-host of the Feelings podcast about movies, You Are Good, with Alex Steed. And here we are reading a letter from a listener. That feels like a beautiful segue moment. Um, I can take us into our third letter, uh, which is a little bit more sort of um, like specific and, and detailed than the last one. Like it's a very specific problem um, that involves like visas and mirroring your your parents' choices. So in, in that sense, at least it feels just like one or two steps removed from flowers in the attic, which is always great for me. The subject is 90 Day Fiancé. I got engaged to my long-distance girlfriend in August. She lives in another country, but we are deeply committed, and I've just sponsored her visa to join me in the States to be married. The problem is I'm not sure how to tell my parents. They married too quickly in the aftermath of one of their father's deaths, spurred by the emotion at the moment. My fiancé's father died of brain cancer on Christmas. Both of my parents have at separate times expressed misgivings about my relationship based on concerns that it, quote, resembles their relationship at the beginning. We are both 25, the same age at which my parents married. I'm currently living with my parents to save money for the visa process in marriage, although they don't exactly know that that's what I'm saving for. This visa will take anywhere from nine months to a year and a half to process, and then we'll have about 90 days to get married after that. It's starting to stress me out to have to lie to my parents about who I'm talking to when I'm on the phone with our lawyer, for instance. I'm worried that the arguments that will ensue when they learn about my engagement will result in their finally divorcing. The comments they've made are that intense. How do I break the news? And at what point do I have to? Hmm. I'll start, I think, with a sort of practical point, which I realize is much, much, much easier for me to say than this letter writer. But, you know, if your parents get divorced, maybe that will be for the best. It sounds like maybe they would like to be divorced. It sounds like they've been pretty explicit about discussing with you, their child, their desire to divorce, which you know, is maybe not their best moment of judgment, uh, but I'll reserve my own judgment on that front. Just like, you know, if they do decide to get divorced, it's not going to be solely because you told them I'm getting married. Um, if hearing about somebody getting married in sort of similar circumstances to their own marriage upsets them so much that they're like, I'm done, they were already pretty close to done. You know, like, yeah. Again, I realize these are your parents. The idea of them getting divorced might still feel distressing, even as you know they're not very happily married. But um, you know, if they do finally get divorced, you you yourself said finally, like you're kind of aware this has been in process for a long time. Whether or not you have to feel good about it, that's totally up to you. Whether or not they immediately feel good about it, that's up to them. Um, it just might really, really need to happen, regardless. I feel like one of the hard things about good things happening or big truth telling events is that they have, they can have this domino effect of leading to other, ultimately for the good, but big and very stressful things. And this seems like at least a worry about this becoming that situation. And I agree. Like if, if a couple is, you know, lives in fear, of their child repeating what they did when they got married, 
when they marry somebody, then that that makes divorce seem like potentially a really great outcome for everybody. Yeah. You know, I mean, I, I think there are probably lots of different definitions of what getting married too quickly might look like. Um, I'm sure different people have different definitions of what in their eyes would be too quick. You know, kind of like in our first letter, I would go back to like, what are the stakes here? Which is like, you know, you're getting married, you know, you've thought about it. It's your own life. You are the person who is the most affected by your decision to get married. If at some point in your life, you come to regret the way in which you got married or the rate at which you got married, you know, you'll be the one who has to regret it or reconsider it or do something about it. So, Mm -hmm. you know, I, I guess I'll just say on that front, like, if the expectation is that people only get married when no close relatives have died in the immediate past, when nobody's sick, when none of their friends are in trouble, when nobody's like lost a job, when there's no tragedies on the horizon, a lot of people would just never get married. Um, And so Mm. I I also realize it can be pretty intense for a parent to die, especially if it's on a holiday. But these things also simply happen. And it doesn't necessarily mean either that a decision you're making is therefore wrong, um, nor does it mean that, you you know, there's no other version of the two of you where her father didn't just die. Like, that's what happened. There's not a control group of the two of you that you can compare it to where her father didn't die on Christmas and where you're able to say, oh, our trajectories are the same, therefore it's okay for us to be engaged. Um, it, it, It simply happened. And if somebody else wants to say, because her father died, you should wait six more months or two more years, you can simply decline to take that suggestion that you you do not have to worry about that one. Also not to be legalistic about it, but if, if you need to use this argument, like this letter contains the information that the writer got engaged to their long distance girlfriend in August and her father died at Christmas. Yeah. Whereas the parents feel their decision to marry was spurred by the emotion of grieving a father who had just died. Um, So these are different case studies in marriage. (laughs) This isn't a cause and effect thing. I mean, the presence of a father who has tragically passed away recently doesn't mean that this is the same story. But even if it did mean that, these are different uh, versions of that happening. And if that's not what's supposed to be going on, then... This uh, this feels like looking for uh, omens to prevent something good from happening. Yeah. And, you know, I, I, it's unclear to me, like, how much of the time this letter writer is spending on the phone with a lawyer. I was a little nervous that our lawyer in this context meant a lawyer the letter writer shares with their parents. But uh, regardless of whether or not this is our lawyer, meaning yours and your fiancés, or some sort of, like, shared family lawyer that you all sometimes use, you know, you, you would in that context at least be covered by like attorney client privilege. Uh, so you don't have to, you know, disclose those phone calls. But what it suggested to me was that you're maybe living in pretty close quarters and your parents are pretty inquisitive. And so there's maybe a degree of like forced closeness that you kind of have to endure because you are living with your parents to save money. And part of the difficulty here is the the question of like, if I tell my parents that I'm getting married and they don't like it 
and they want to tell me how it reminds them of their marriage and how that's not good and how I should reconsider my decision. I'm afraid I won't know how to say no to them without feeling guilty, or I'm afraid I won't know how to say no to them in a way that they'll actually listen to. I'm afraid I'll say no and they'll keep doing it anyways, and that my options for getting away from those conversations will be limited because I'm living with them to save money. So that to me felt like kind of the underlying problem here was just maybe I haven't in the past set many new boundaries as an adult with my parents and I'm not really sure how to start. And then also on top of that, that seems difficult to do when I'm also living with them to save money, which I need, um, and makes me feel like I'm already starting off with uh, a sort of imbalance or like I'm already indebted to them and I'm uncomfortable. Do you have any thoughts about how somebody in that position might want to proceed? Do you think it's it's serious enough that this letter writer should maybe look at other living arrangements? Or um, yeah, I mean, flowers and dog biscuits never hurt. Um, but <laughs> I, you know, one of the things that I wonder about here is because the closing questions are: How do I break the news? At what point do I have to? And I feel like the question of have to comes down to like various different standards and also comes down to what else is going on. And so I would say that if you're in a living situation where you have parents who, you know, parents have a different kind of psychological power over you than anybody else, just based on the nature of the relationship. And so there are, um, degrees of reaction that they may feel entitled to communicate to you a lot that may just make it hard for you to have a quality of life. Um, And so I think if that's the case, then this does seem like a very stressful living situation that maybe there is some alternative to that would allow a person to still save for uh, undergoing this process and this marriage. Yeah. So, you know, I, I, I think that that question, at what point do I have to, certainly speaks to like the letter writer's mindset, which is very much like a, a sort of classically child position, which is like, when do I have to tell my parents? When will I get in trouble? Um, what are my obligations? And that's not to say letter writer that that's like a a sign of of insurmountable immaturity, just that that sort of speaks to your relationship with them right now, maybe the way that you feel about that relationship. So you can try to postpone this conversation for as long as you can. There is no guarantee that trying to postpone it means that you will be able to guarantee you don't have it. So, you know, the longer you put off the conversation, the greater the odds that they will find out, either because word gets to them through a friend of a friend of a friend, or they find out on social media, or they overhear a conversation, or I don't know, are they Snoopy? Do they ever look at your text messages? You know, so that likelihood goes up. My guess is that would feel pretty lousy for you, and it would make the conversation a lot harder than it had to be. So um, one upside to doing it sooner rather than later is you get to tell them yourself. And even if it doesn't go great, at least, you know, it's not going to be this big blow up. I can't believe you weren't going to tell us thing again. Like at what point do you have to, you know, like they can't stop you from getting married. Um, they can presumably make a couple of different things more difficult for you, but 
it's not a have to. And like, again, it's just like, when do you want to get free of the anxiety? Like, when do you feel ready to get free from that? That's, that's when you have to do it. So maybe in terms of like, would I like to stop worrying about stepping outside for a phone call? And then you might also think like, do they ask me about who I'm on the phone with a lot? And do I want to think about renegotiating with them how many questions they ask me on a daily basis about what I'm up to? I don't know. I'm I'm kind of projecting or making some assumptions there. So I don't want to just assume that your parents are constantly like peering around your door saying, what are you doing? I regret my marriage. Do you know how much you remind me of me at 25? Who are you just on the phone with? My life is in shambles. Like I, <laughs> I hope that that's not where they're at, but like certainly they're not. They could be further away from that image. Uh, and I would be happy if they were further away. So I think how do you break the news? You just say it. You just you just say the truth, which is that you're engaged and you're going to sponsor your fiance's visa and you're going to get married. And then you think about how much advice uh, or I think you're making a mistake you are willing to listen to. And then once that limit has passed, and I would recommend putting it in the minutes rather than hours category, say... If this in any way reminds you of your own marriage, I ask that you guys share that with someone who isn't me. Anybody else in the world, just not me, your child. Uh, I am not available to discuss your regrets about marrying each other. And that might feel really difficult, especially if historically they've come to you about their regrets in marrying each other. Um, but you really don't have to listen to that. In fact, you're you're kind of less qualified to help them with that than almost anyone else on the planet because you're their kid. Uh, you know, you you do not have the sort of perspective or objectivity or distance um, that they would need from like anybody who could have a useful, calm conversation with them about that subject. So I think, frankly, that is the most important thing to communicate to your parents right after I'm getting married. Because, you know, again, that's that's just going to make your life a lot easier if you're not keeping that a secret anymore. But really letting it be known, I love you guys. I'm willing to have lots of conversations with you. I cannot hear you any longer talk about how you shouldn't have gotten married to each other or you should have taken your time or whatever else. Like that is a conversation for anyone but me. Yeah. I think that believing that as someone's child, you have the power to end a conversation with them is very life-changing. And I, I can certainly understand if there's a fear that like, if they get divorced as a result of this conversation, maybe I won't have a place to stay for free anymore. And, and that's an actual like tangible consideration I hadn't really been taking into account when I was earlier talking about like, that's not your problem. Mm -hmm. So I can understand why that might feel like your problem. But, uh, you know, again, we're talking about a nine month to year and a half period that you're looking at right now. And I don't know if you've already started the visa process or you're still waiting for it. But I think it's fair to say that even if you didn't have this conversation with your parents, there's a chance they might get divorced or split up in the next two years anyway. And so it will maybe just help to have like a practical backup. Like who are some friends that I could crash with potentially for a few weeks at a time? And can I like start asking around, does anyone have like a spare in-law unit or a guest room that I could stay for longer? Um, maybe talk to your fiance about this. Um, ask for some of her advice. Like, was the plan, by the way, like get married and then hope she could move in with you and your parents? Like, I I'm wondering what the plan so far has been for living together. And if it's mm -hmm. been with your parents, maybe start making backup plans. 
because I yeah. don't think that's going to happen. You uh, do have to tell them before she shows up if that's the plan. Yeah. If we're going to stick with the like, do I have to motif, you do have to do it before you put her on the spot. And I do think that you should really consider your fiance's comfort in this. Like, don't put her in a position where uh, she's going to be the one to tell them for you. Um, don't put her in a position where she's going to be like maybe absorbing a lot of really intense questions or suggestions or just general putting their oars in from your parents. Like, be considerate about how much of the family dynamic you put her in the middle of. And gosh, beyond that, I feel like, I think that's all I have. It's just a lot of like good luck and get started. Yeah. Good luck and get started. And and same, you know, kind of like with the letter writer, uh, the second letter writer that like there might be an opportunity to talk to their friend slash um, platonic partner. This might be a good thing to talk to your fiance about. You know, just say like, I'm thinking about when and how I'm going to talk to my parents. Here's what I'm worried about. What do you think? And not because you need her to tell you what to do or that she has to solve it. Just like, it'd be good to get her input. It'll be good for you two to start thinking of of dealing with your family and her family as a team, um, or at least as like, you know, partners with shared interests, not necessarily who are always on the exact same page, but who are looking out for each other. I, I think that that might potentially prove useful and whatever you were planning on doing when you moved out from your parents' house after your marriage, just think about how you might bridge the gap between that and a possible split. Mm-hmm. That's it. Good luck. Congratulations. People get married in weird circumstances all the time. Um, and, you know, if you get divorced, you get divorced. You know, like I get that it can often be really sad and really devastating, but it doesn't kill you. People do it. It happens. That is one way that people react to changing their minds or changing their circumstances. So I think sometimes it can help because it just feels like, what will I do if this is a mistake? Mm. Like it can just feel like the world will explode. And it's just like, no, specifically you can get divorced and that might be sad or hard, but it is not as bad as the world exploding. Yeah, right. The the unspeakable anxiety can be spoken and then it becomes something specific and something you can recognize as survivable. Thank you for joining us on Big Mood, Little Mood with me, Danny Lavery. Our producer is Phil Circus, who also composed our theme music. Don't miss an episode of the show. Head to slate.com slash mood to sign up to subscribe or hit the subscribe button on whatever platform you're using right now. Thanks. Also, if you can, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. We'd love to know what you think. If you want more Big Mood, Little Mood, you should join Slate Plus, Slate's membership program. Members get an extra episode of Big Mood, Little Mood every Friday, and you'll get to hear more advice and conversations with a guest. And as a Slate Plus member, you'll also be supporting the show. Go to slate.com forward slash mood plus to sign up. It's just $1 for your first month. If you'd like me to read your letter on the show, maybe you need a little advice, maybe some big advice, head to slate.com slash mood to find our Big Mood, Little Mood listener question form, or find a link in the description on the platform you're using right now. Thanks for listening. 